0: Gracious God, with your servants Shipra and Pua, with your servant Moses, with your servant Oscar, help us to name you as the God who sets us free. Amen. Please be seated. Today I'm preaching the second in a three-part series of sermons on a question. What do we mean when we say the word God? Last week, we encountered the God of Abraham, of Sarah, and of Hagar. We talked about the one God we share with our siblings who are Jewish and Muslim. We talked about the radical teaching that God is one. When we speak of God, we speak of the one who is behind creation, behind every act of mercy, behind every movement for justice, behind every demonstration of love. Next week, we'll turn to Jesus the story of the prodigal. Today, we encounter Moses. And we encounter two midwives, not in the reading we had today, but necessary if we are to understand the context Moses arises from. In the story we have today, there exists this fundamental tension. God calls Moses God has to call Moses multiple times. Moses is stupefied by this burning bush that's not consumed. He's confused. God has to get past Moses' conceptions. Rabbi Rami Shapiro has said, The God of your understanding is just that. The God of your understanding." What you need is the God just beyond your understanding. For God to get Moses where God needs Moses, God has to push his conceptions of what we mean by God. And it turns out, God has been pushing the boundaries on Moses people for quite some time. Remember, Moses entered the world under threat. He entered a time when Pharaoh was attempting to commit genocide against his people. But Moses also entered a world where his people have learned to resist. Before Moses receives a call, we hear the story of a couple of midwives who hear God's voice. These women, Shipra and Pua, the Bible tells us are their names. They chose to listen to God rather than to Pharaoh. When the king tells them to kill the newborn Hebrew boys, they return to Pharaoh and say, the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. Shipra and Pua play Pharaoh's own biases against him. For these women are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes. Through their quiet resistance, through cunning, the midwives are able to save lives, including Moses. The resistance is political, yes, but it's also theological. Pharaoh does not have the last word on the dignity of their people, on the value of their human lives. When we speak of the God of Moses, when we speak of this God, we have to know we also speak of the God of the midwives of all of the women and men and people before Moses who listened and resisted. We speak of a God who stands with oppressed people. And Moses was born into a community that already knew on one level, God stood with the hungry, with those who were made to suffer. God needed to push the people, needed to push Moses to work on a bigger scale. The early chapters of Exodus chronicle the rise of anti-immigrant rhetoric in Egypt. This first pharaoh tried to kill the Hebrew boys. The next pharaoh, if you can believe it, makes life even worse for the Israelites. The people are treated as slaves. They're abused. As a young man in Pharaoh's house, Moses becomes enraged when he sees an Egyptian beating one of his kinsfolk. Moses lashes out and kills the oppressor. Then Moses has to flee. That's how we find Moses where he is this morning, working for his father-in-law, Jethro. He's far from Pharaoh's jurisdiction. He's out in the desert with Jethro's sheep. That's where he hears God's voice from the burning bush. Moses. 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 It does. It takes a couple of repetitions of Moses' name before he answers. Moses may not be exactly happy as a herdsman working for his father-in-law. Who's ever really happy working for their (laughs) father-in-law? But he's safe. Moses is secure. And then God comes and interrupts his safe world. I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt... I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering. Indeed, I know their suffering. Moses' God is a God with a bias. God is on the side of the suffering. God is there when the people are in misery. The rest of the story of Exodus, in many ways, the rest of the story of the Jewish people and the story of followers in Jesus is a living out of this revelation of God to Moses. I have heard their cry. In the early 20th century, theologians began talking of a theology of liberation. A theology of liberation. The term appeared almost simultaneously among African-American theologians like James Cone and among the Latin American theologians. The idea is older. There's a reason so many of the spirituals feature Moses. Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt's land. Tell old Pharaoh to let my people go for enslaved African-Americans making their way to freedom, as for Bartolome de las Casas, the Spanish Dominican who questioned colonialism, for Francis, who chose to live among the lepers, for as long as there has been a church, for as long as there have been a people of God, there have been voices claiming God sides with those who suffer. Christians have looked to the story of Moses for inspiration, for the primary text, the original story of the God of liberation. Uh, The Roman Catholic Dominican priest Gustavo Gutierrez authored the famous 1971 book, A Theology of Liberation. He spends a great deal of that book talking about Moses. I once had the opportunity to hear Gutierrez speak, and, and he confirmed a theory that I have, I have this idea that holy people are all very short. (laughs) Mother Teresa was tiny. Uh, Desmond Tutu isn't even five feet tall, I don't think. Gustavo Gutierrez is also short. Oscar Romero, if you've seen the movie, there's one thing that it gets absolutely wrong. Raul Julia is way too tall. Romero was diminutive. And Gustavo Gutierrez, this little Peruvian priest, is short. But out of him comes this big voice. I remember one moment in his speech very vividly. He said that, especially in North America, we really have our own way of praying the Lord's Prayer. Do you know it? He said that Christians today have our own way of praying Jesus' prayer. It goes something like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, stay there. (laughs) Stay there. We have this down here, don't worry about us. That is what the man who is often called the father of liberation theology said is our prayer today. Oftentimes, like Moses, we flee from suffering. We find places of refuge. We try to build walls to keep out the distress. The last thing we want is God coming down here. Stay there, God. We've got this. We're okay. We may be tending Jethro's flock, but we've got ours. Stay there. Moses' God doesn't stay put. I've heard the cry of my people. I have come down to deliver them. This is a point where the passage gets pretty interesting. The story turns really fast. Did you catch it? God says, I have come down to deliver them. You can almost imagine Moses looking. Where? Where are you, God? God. Turning his head. It will be a long time before Moses sees God. Instead, God says, I have come down to deliver them, so Moses, Moses, I'm sending you. You go talk to Pharaoh. You can understand why Moses would be a bit surprised. God, I thought you were coming down. And this is part B of what we learn about this God we speak of when we talk about Moses. This God we speak of when we talk about the midwives of Shipra and Pua. This God of Moses, this God of the midwives, this God of liberation, that's part A. Part B is more complicated. God relies on people to accomplish God's liberation in their own time. Moses' God, the God of liberation, is not simply a God of liberation from. It's not just a God who sets us free from Pharaoh. God is a God of liberation for, freedom for. Moses' God does not only save the people from Pharaoh. The God of Moses, the God of the midwives, is preparing people for life after Pharaoh. God calls God's people toward the work of liberation, toward the work of building freedom, toward the work of life together. As St. Augustine wrote, our freedom is for something. God has a vision of life in community, a vision Jesus would call the kingdom of God or the reign of God. Dr. King would translate that vision as the beloved community. God gives us the freedom for something. God involves us in the work. We have to work for a freedom where we can live together in just community, build one another up. There are 40 chapters in the book of Exodus. The people are free from Pharaoh after chapter 15. The rest of Exodus is about the project God has for them in freedom, building up the community of the covenant. Today is the 39th anniversary of the martyrdom of Oscar Romero, the Archbishop of El Salvador, patron saint of our partner organization, All, still doing human rights work in that country. Romero sometimes compared his humble ministry to that of Moses. He said his job, like Moses, was simply to transmit God's word. In a homily Romero preached almost exactly one year before he was killed, The Archbishop said this, What a terrible thing to have lived quite comfortably with no suffering, not getting involved in problems quite tranquil, quite settled, with good connections politically, economically, socially, lacking nothing, having everything. To what good? My siblings, God's word calls us today Let me tell you with conviction I can muster, all the conviction I can muster, it is worthwhile to be a Christian. What a terrible thing to have lived quite comfortably. Romero speaks of a God like the God of Moses, the God of the midwives. A God who involves God's people in the work of liberation. A God who is working for freedom with the people. God hears the cry of the suffering, God's beloved poor. God hears the cry of all who are lost and left out and leased in our society. God stands with them and God gives them hope and God gives them leaders. Saint Oscar Romero points us beyond our own comfort to the work of God. Oscar Romero points us to listen with God to the voice of those who are still crying out from under the oppressor's rod. Of course, the most famous line in this story of Moses is when Moses asks for God's name. Moses says, who should I say sent me? Now, we could have a whole graduate seminar on this name, and I'm already close to overtime on the sermon. So, permit me just one word on God's response. When our Bible translation renders God's name as I am who I am, know that the Hebrew is much more complicated. Verb tenses don't work the same way in Hebrew. Some theologians have translated this name saying, I was who I was, I am who I am, and I will be who I will be. I've even heard, I am becoming what I am becoming. I would also venture the following. I think it's fair to translate the name God gives Moses this way I am that which is. Paul Tillich wrote that God is the very ground of our being, God is involved in all that is in all that was, in all that will be. This same God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Sarah and Hagar, the God of Joseph and the midwives, Shipra and Pua, the God of Moses, this God of Jesus and of Oscar Romero and Dr. King, this God of all the people who sang freedom songs in the early days of our country, this God is at the very foundation of our being. This God invites us to work toward freedom. When we speak of God, we speak of a vision for integral liberation. We don't just speak about a libertarian freedom, an anarchy when anything goes. Such a freedom is not really freedom at all. St. Augustine called the service of God perfect freedom. Our God sets people free for love. God sets us free to live in just and loving relationship with our fellow human beings, with our fellow creatures, with our planet. It is worthwhile to listen to the call of God to Moses. It's worthwhile to be a Christian. When we speak of God, life can get complicated. When we choose to listen to God, we can be called outside of our comfort zone. When we speak of God, we speak of the loving, life-giving, liberating force behind all of creation. We speak of the one who works behind the scenes through unlikely characters and strange burning bushes. We speak of a God who invites us to look beyond our own understanding, to seek the God just beyond our understanding. When we speak of God, we speak of a higher power, an ultimate reality, a divine which is integrally involved in all of the work for liberation, in the work of redemption, in the work of freedom for all God's people. Be careful when you speak of this God. Be even more careful when you speak to this God. You may be invited to let go of your boundaries and to get involved in the work of setting people free. Amen.